from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan, highlights, and in the spotlight. But as always, we start off with a brand new episode of Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're joining us on our Facebook live stream, well, they said it couldn't happen and it nearly didn't happen, but here we are. We are live once again. We do hope that you excuse the sound quality due to a technical issue that has baffled our finest technicians. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of issue with the sound today, I think, but we are going to plow through. Uh, thank you for your patience. If you're joining us now on Facebook live stream, like I said, it's now Wednesday, March 10th. Otherwise, if you're one of the fortunate ones joining us on the radio today, it's Thursday, March 11th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Leslie Liao. Hello, and John. And Natalie Tso. Hello. Up next, so we're going to be talking about how a meat substitute has been making headway in Taiwan recently. Also, people are voting on their least favorite side dish, and in food-obsessed Taiwan, uh, that's a very serious topic on the internet these days. <laughs> also, can companies mandate what color masks their employees wear? We're going to tell you what Kaohsiung's Labor Department has to say on that issue in just a moment. Please stay with us. to start with what for Taiwanese people is probably the most serious of today's issues. No, I'm not talking about whether employees can mandate your mask color. That would don't be silly. I'm talking about food, of course. <laughs> and specifically, what people's least favorite side dishes are. These are specifically side dishes in what in Taiwan are known as bian dang. Yeah. You may also know them by their Japanese name, bento, except in Taiwan, they're always served hot, or the Korean term dosirak. Um, wow. You... <laughs> rice and food wow. on it how, do you, how about in, in Japanese and what are they calling Japanese oh bento bento, bento. Mm. he's bento. a box meal and connoisseur well in, in Taiwan in Thai it's, and, and, and I don't Vietnamese know, I don't think they really have them in Thailand <laughs> but um, they are uh, always served hot in Taiwan unlike in Japan yeah um, everything is warm and uh, they come with a Main dish usually with some sides on a bed of rice. Yeah, um, so it's usually what uh, a zhuzi, what they call the main the course, main course and that's always a protein of some kind. Usually, I think usually. they have vegetarian additions. They do, they do, and then they also have like three side dishes to go with the mm. rice. And the nice thing about them is they're, com they're it's not just lumped together in a box like you might imagine. There are com little compartments for yeah. each of them. There so are specialized receptacles. Yes, exactly. They don't get them jammed together or mixed uh, together. And you think with such futuristic uh, eating receptacles might come with that some variety but people have uh, not really actually well, they tend to be less sort of the same selection yeah they, they usually rotate. <laughs> rotate through the same kinds right because everybody everybody throughout taiwan started sharing this picture that i just posted the facebook uh live link there's a picture of 12 different side dishes and th the consensus is like these are the side dishes people will usually see <laughs> at bento restaurants and um i'm gonna go down the Ooh. I'm going to go down the list. First, there's the neon curry, which is the Taiwan yeah. curry. 
Um, it's, it's kind of a descendant of Japanese curry, but more neon. Yeah, <laughs> neon like, curry. I love that name. It's like highlighter, right? It's, it is. It's like it's potatoes, carrots, in curry. And then they have their uh, what they call three color beans, but I've covered this before. It's more like a vegetable medley of peas, carrots, and corn. It's what you find in the freezer section of your local grocery store. That's right. Uh, and then you also have um, seaweed braised with carrots. You have um, uh, bamboo, spicy bamboo. You have uh, braised eggplant. Uh, you have bean curd with lima beans, eggs with carrots, and then you got all the just 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 the things that people are kind of sick of seeing. My favorite here is something that they call Dianhua Xian, which translates into oh. a, a telephone cord. <laughs> What's that? But it's a coiled um, a seaweed that's seaweed, a, that's yeah. very very coiled. Oh, the kind that they it looks tie like a, like a bow. Cord. Uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's just... like it's it's twisted like that. Oh, okay, okay, like okay. That. Yeah, um, you're right. Those are the only ones side dishes you will ever see in a Taiwanese. You also bang. got a. No one has ever come up with any others. I guess onion and egg. I mean, I guess I don't know. These these go go well with rice, maybe. But people are voting on which one they find the most grotesque, if you will. No, they're exactly grotesque. Yeah, um, but maybe they're just. It's just people you're kind of sick of, of it. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all it is. I mean, I think this is also th- th- it's it's an economical option, right? These bento boxes. Well, they keep they've gotten expensive when like since I've been here, they've they kind of well, like how how expensive are we talking? Like when how how they much used were to they? Be like eighty and ten, like a hundred and ten in some places, depending yeah, on what you get. That's exactly what um, it is. Um, yeah, th- th- it's true. They need some more variety. Um, so, which are your guys' least favorite of the of the whole bunch? I don't know about you guys. I eat everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> As long as <laughs> you maybe carrots, mention, I don't know. You forgot Car- to mention the greens. There's always there's usually spinach, uh, yeah. bok choy of some sort. It's a bok choy. They call I mean, it yotai. It's you got um, your vitamins and minerals are all in there. It's all in there, so, uh, and uh, it's just getting put up to vote. Like there's no real voting system, but people are sharing this and be like, oh yeah, these are the twelve things you only see at the bento restaurants. And now that you mention it, it's true. Eggplant is by far the best. Eggplant is by far the best. That is That's the one true. place where we can agree Very on. Tasty. Wow, we all agreed on that. <laughs> we at like once. eggplant. Well, it's they not, should have a voting system here. It's not eggplant as you've had it before. Can, maybe it's there some very richly flavored garlicky sauce right. that it goes in. Yeah, and it's usually it's spicy too. Sometimes a little bit. They can add some little chilies in there. Hong Sao is called braised. Fried. Braised. Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, they've kind of uh, separated this into your favorite and least favorite. Okay. So they also have the uh, the braised tofu. They also have broccoli. I like that. Broccoli's good. I like they broccoli. They have scrambled egg and onions. You see, these eh. are all things that uh, Natalie can agree with. They have your favorite, John, the uh, the eggplants. Everyone likes the eggplant. That's they have a tomato and egg, which is like the thing that all people go to. It's it's very basic. It's very basic. It's nutritious it's, it's and very cheap. Uh, yeah, it's very, like like Natalie said, very very basic. None of these are. In addition to um, in a in a set lunch. Mm-hmm. You also often find them in uh, Taiwanese sort of buffet-style restaurants. Yeah. Which are very cheap. They weigh what you get put on your platter, and that's how much they charge you based on weight. Yeah. Sometimes um, they're tasty if they're done well, actually. They're, all, they're pretty yeah. much... I don't, they're hard to mess up, but I can't I can understand people getting sick of them because they do rotate. Jen Delari says, That corned beans carrot side dish reminds me of succotash, which I, which I love. I wonder how this really? version is different. Well, I can tell you right now, it's not as refined as succotash. It's just like what you would find in your... Like I said, yeah. you can find it in, a, in the frozen food section of your local grocery store. It's exactly the same it's as like that. like uh, the Green Giant brand back exactly. at home. That is exactly what it is. It's they, That's not like seasoned at all. Yeah, so um, I guess for people in Taiwan, and you've eaten this, like you've eaten your share of bandung, I'm, I'm sure at one point or the yeah. other. 
and um you know it's 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 up for debate it's like i guess the, it's likening this conversation is like what are your least favorite and favorite thanksgiving meal sides that's a good way of comparing yeah. it because they really? really are only the same five or what, six what in every are household they? well i love mashed potatoes yeah right and got, then what else is there not uh, to like green bean casserole oh, sweet cranberry potato sauce. casserole cranberry sauce got your I sweet like potatoes cranberry sauce. sweet potatoes mac and cheese biscuits Biscuits, yeah, Yum. dinner rolls, uh, the turkey itself, I but, guess. And then that's it. Pretty much no one There's has... There's not so much to American food, I think. Well, I mean, it's What it's I'm saying is it's the same thing. In, it's, a good, it's a good analogy because like no one has sushi for Thanksgiving, really. Well, I yeah, guess in my house I mean, you might. But... You might, right? But <laughs> you it's... could, theoretically, if you wanted to. But it's the same thing. In, in Taiwan, um, these are the things that you can choose from or that come with a standard uh, boxed meal. Yeah. They're not that bad, actually. If you think of it that way, there's actually more variety than what you just said for yeah. Thanksgiving. Do you but, have a least favorite one, though? I don't. Uh, I you know what? carrots, maybe. Yeah, the carrots and the egg. I'm not a big fan of... Me neither. These are shaved carrots. Carrot shavings. Yeah. Served with scrambled egg. And eggs together. and onions? Yeah. Usually love, not very tasty. I love egg and onions. Really? I love you know, it's amazing. We have, really? We've, yeah. We've, We've been talking about this for about 10 minutes. Have we? Oh, <laughs> my It's a very Taiwanese... <laughs> okay. Like I said, in Taiwan... Deadly Can't serious conversation. That really sucked us in there, huh? <laughs> and just when you thought we couldn't talk about food anymore, here's another food-related topic. This one, uh, more innovative, I would say. Yeah. We're branching out here in Taiwan. This meat substitute... Uh, meat substitutes, of course, are nothing new to Taiwan. We have yeah. a whole cottage industry of fake meat for mostly Buddhist vegetarians. Mm. Uh, and, of course, tofu is very delicious and popular here, too. But uh, arriving on our shores now is Beyond Meat, and there's a, already places where you can buy it here. Well, Beyond Meat's always been there, right? But one of the big things that's coming in is a new Japanese restaurant that's about to hit Taipei. Now, this Japanese restaurant is what they call Yakiniku, which is okay. Japanese barbecue, right? And that's where you really go to. When you think of barbecue, you think of big slabs of meat. Mm-hmm. But this place is now offering what they call next meat, right? Oh, and uh, this is like meat. the whole beyond, right? I, mm. I think they just looked Ooh. in the stories for beyond. It's just like progressive oh, meat next, <laughs> and it contains no meat. Is that right? It contains no meat. This is an entire meal based. It's a plant based meal, but it's supposed to give you the feeling of like eating Japanese barbecue. Yeah. Is it fake meat though? It fake. is okay. So uh, I mean, it's great if you have a vegetarian friend, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, I really want to eat barbecue," but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And uh, this restaurant's about to come to Taipei in the next two days. So today is the tenth of March. This is now the twelfth of March, and it's going to hit Taipei first. And this company has plans to. Um, th- this company has about what is it? Four stores here. Four stores. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But they are just about to put up, uh, throw out this uh, vegetarian meat out there. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's something that a lot of other um, restaurants here could probably stand to get on board with because sometimes I'd eat the vegetarian option and it's usually not great. <laughs> Unless Plant- it's a vegetarian, specifically vegetarian restaurant, of which there are a fair number in Taiwan. Plant-based meat? But uh, if you go to for like a hot pot, for instance. Yeah. And you order the vegetarian, which means, of course, the broth is also vegetarian. It just is a very bland and unpleasant affair. Usually you go to hot pot restaurants and you order the vegetarian meal. It's mushroom based. It's, uh, yeah. It's bland. It's bland. You've yeah. tried it before? Yeah. It's uh, bland. Honestly, I can't imagine. No, my dad, my dad's a vegetarian, <laughs> okay. so we go to the hot pot a lot. Um, yeah, so that's that's one option, right? That's a, that's a, if anybody's 
hankering for barbecue, but you seven people want to go barbecue, one but you have that one friend's a vegan, <laughs> and they're just like, you know, oh, there is a vegetarian barbecue Stash, now. right? He's so a vegan he, for a month. Yeah. Okay, well. Okay, let him know. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's send him out there and see what he thinks. <laughs> All right. So uh, I wonder if this is going to be a growing trend in Taiwan. I, I think... Uh, unlike in, say, the West, vegetarianism here is probably quite closely tied to Buddhist belief, usually. Yeah. Um, but like I said, there is a well-developed culture of vegetarian meals here, but they all tend to be in specialty shops. You know what I mean? Mm. Like uh, this, this everything in this Buddhist-run restaurant is vegetarian, and it's like a buffet style. You pick what you want, and again, they weigh it at the end, and you pay for how much you've taken. There's also but, different categorizations of like vegetarianism here, right? Oh, that's true. They're, they're um, more stricter, and then they're less strict ones. There are well, by which we mean there are additional plant-based things that you can't eat. Yeah. For instance, I think was it garlic or Gar- peppers? Uxing, uxing is like garlic, basically onion, anything pepper too flavorful is forbidden. It's forbidden. Really? Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That must be hard. Well, they tell you on a lot of uh, packaging of food whether it's suitable. What, Isn't it called what? Danite? That's Ooh, or something uh, oh, like that. That's act low act lacto ovo. There we go. Oh, okay. Vegetarian. Um, but yeah, I think um, that's something that uh, a lot more restaurants need to get on board with here. Uh, the vegetarian options often are leave one disappointed. Well, wearing masks was a thing in Taiwan before that this whole pandemic happened, but it's only now that we're getting into this issue of uh, companies certain companies mandating the colors of masks that people can wear as part of like their uniform now that it's weird um well now that it's like not just uh well i'm not feeling well today or you know it used to be a a discretionary thing now that everyone wears masks and say at the metro or yeah um and a lot of cases like offices to prevent any potential spread of the coronavirus uh it's become sort of a universal thing and and uh well some companies are starting to mandate colors uh, specifically in this case ding tai feng, feng which is a famous dumpling restaurant mm. in taiwan really um yes they have at least the a branch in gaoxiong is requiring all employees to wear only blue or white masks so I think they're doing it for sanitary purposes. Right. Is that correct? However, a whistleblower who's gotten in touch about this issue to protest to a Kaohsiung City's Labor Affairs Bureau says he has more than 100 masks at home that come in a bunch of different colors and designs. Now they're all useless. Yeah. He bought them all for nothing. Um, and the Labor Affairs Chief at, in the city says that um, it is permissible for employers to enforce a dress code during office hours. Therefore, the limit on mask colors is not against the law. Yeah. So that, that, that sounds fair. That are sounds they, reasonable. So are they worried that the uh, colorful masks or whatever are not up to par in terms of, you know, you know, health regulations? Well, if that's the case, get everyone an M- N95. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Or maybe they don't want people distracted while they're working. Like, ooh, look at that black and white one you got. And, I think it's just the, the uniformity of it all, right? Maybe. Unless it's like a Jackson Pollock mask. I don't think people are going to be that... I, like no yeah. notice it's going to be that attention grabbing uh and that you got to realize like before the pandemic started and before there was all the masks were a regular part of life like blue and white were the only colors that masks it's came in true. i remember you went to myanmar and then you came back with these bright blue masks oh, like one. oh i was like oh john Oh, getting a little, getting those a little, are nice uh, i like that colorful I the, there i, I like that color in, i bought these in cambodia yeah but these now are like they're, they're, they're run of the mill but 
I remember when you first came back from Cambodia, I was like, ooh, John, that's just fancy. <laughs> no, and you have quite a few colors, right? I Leslie? have six or seven colors. I just went kind of nutso on them. Well, if you are going to plan to get a job at Ding Tai Fung, you better yeah, start <laughs> up on your blue and white I ones. To, uh, I don't, funny enough, I don't have those, those are the ones I don't have. I don't know. Um, so, have you have any comments coming in? Uh, yeah, Jen Dolari says, I'm a big believer that if company mandates the color of masks, they should be the ones to pay for the masks. Ooh. Most everywhere I worked with a uniform, the uniform, at least the first one, was provided. That's a good point, actually. That makes uh. sense. They should. Then the, no one can p- complain, really. True. Yeah. True. I like that idea. Anything then, else? Do you guys like to wear different masks to, to match your clothes? I do. I yeah, do. I, do. Whenever, I like to do that, too. I, whatever I have goes on. Whatever you have goes on. <laughs> so uh, it's become an accessory sometimes. Yeah. When I'm in the mood. Go Pay says, good afternoon. Health is wealth. And he's a... good aphorism. That is. Uh, Yeah. Radha Krishna Pilal says, low voice. Sorry, man. Uh, We are having... During the beginning of the program, yes, there have been some uh, rather serious technical issues where it's a miracle that we're online at all. We do ask for your patience. Uh, If you would prefer you can tune in again tomorrow and listen to the whole thing on the radio as well so douglas north says hello to natalie leslie and john hello douglas north hi douglas all right well taiwan may be getting its very first travel bubble oh that's right. That's right. So um, we're in talks with Palau, which is a beautiful island. It's a good place to have a travel bubble with. Um, and they haven't had any recorded, uh, confirmed uh, cases of COVID-19 at all. Yeah, so, one of the few in the world. Right. So, um, I mean, they're not a very populous place. But uh, anyway, so we are actually currently in the talks. The talks could be completed by this month. And uh, basically, that would um, they're, they're hoping to eliminate the need for home quarantine um, on both sides. So for now, everyone who comes into Taiwan has to be quarantined for 14 days. Right. With the exception of some business travelers who pass a whole bunch of tests, you know. So they're still uh, working out the um, recognition of the COVID tests. Um, and they're likely to operate about eight flights per week. There's a catch, though. Um, I've heard that you have to go with a tour group. They're not at the moment talking about opening it up to independent travelers. Really? And those tours are going to cost a whopping $80,000 dollars per person. How For how many days? For four days, if I understand correctly. Four, four days, days three nights. Short. Yeah. That's short. Yeah, I and took you're... two people to Cambodia, and the whole total was just 50000 for two people. Oh, for wow. For five wow. days. Wow. So oh. um, they're really racking up the price there. Not that I could go anyway. I travel on a U.S. passport. That's the only one I've got. And they're going to take one look at that and go, uh-uh. <laughs> we'll find a way for you to get in there, John. You know, here. if you're coming from Taiwan. I don't think that they really care. I mean, if you have a U.S. passport, you may have been anywhere. So would you want to go to Palau? It's on my um, bucket list. Would you guys want to go to Palau? It's, it's like on the I top would of go. my... It's really? Like the one country that I... I they have jellyfish that don't sting that you can swim with. Is really? that a Palau exclusive thing? I think so. Oh, wow. Char- yeah. Our former colleague they... Charlie Stora has been there, I believe. Oh, really? wow. They're beautiful beaches there. <clears throat> yeah. So there's also a survey out about how many uh, people in Taiwan have travel plans this year or would like to travel. Would you guys like to travel this year, I need to the go- way things are going? Uh, well, I need to get home eventually. I haven't seen my family more than a year. I know. The problem, I mean, that's the main reason the, I would want to travel. The real issue is vaccines. Will we have them or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, yeah. we need to them, get vaccinated before we go out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if we can get them, then fine. But... Um, 
So it says here in the in the survey that 18%, only 18% of people in Taiwan have travel plans, which is, you know, pretty low. And most Taiwanese are actually hesitant about traveling. They don't really want to go out. About two-thirds say they have no intention to travel this year. This um, is international travel, by the right, way. Right, right. Well, we're doing a lot domestic of domestic travel. Domestic travel is crazy. Yeah, yeah we're discovering Taiwan all over again. Yeah. Which is good, actually. I went on a trip over the, pa over the past weekend. That was fun. Where did you go? Uh, I went to Ali San, Ali Mountain. And then really? they got they got, they got uh, some Japanese cherry blossoms that's up what, there. That's what I heard. I saw on the video. Are they really pretty? They're they're all right. Yeah, they're uh, they apparently... There's so many different types up there because it's just like the cherry blossoms, some blossom at higher elevations, some blossom at lower elevations, some blossom at this in this patch of grass, some blossom <laughs> in that patch of dirt. I was just like, I wonder why. Did, they, did you go on a tour? Uh, no, we, me and my friends, we just kind of booked a bus and then just drove down there. Oh, fun. And, uh, just did saw you take what pictures going on. or anything? Video? We took some pictures. Uh, we took a few videos, mostly pictures. There were, there were also night areas. Uh, to watch the cherry blossoms at night, but mm. without warning, they'll turn off the lights on you. That's scary. That is that was terrifying. Because that's, that's a place with like no public transport, so you can no. just be like stuck somewhere. Yeah, a, you could be stranded up there very easily. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, internationally, yeah, I, I can't see myself going anywhere unless there's a vaccine at least. Hmm. Well, Palau, but they wouldn't let me in, so. So actually, I'll find a way to get you in. <laughs> Do you know the Palawan ambassador? <laughs> oh, we'll find a way. <laughs> well, I also don't have 80,000 NT to just fork that out like that. That too. That is a big uh, hurdle. That's more than that's most a lot people, of money. And than that's most people make like, in a month. Um, what, what's that Maybe two called? months. Yeah, Maybe two months, yeah. So they only want the, the fancy club people to go. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're choosing which kind of they're they're filtering out the riffraff. Yeah, they is <laughs> in a very exclusive uh, package right now. This bubble. No, um, but yeah, I I, I watched like all these travel shows about that going there. Um, yeah, it's near the near the top of my list. Well, when you tell me there are jellyfish that don't sting, I just I can't really wrap my head around that idea. It, I thought Google, jellyfish. Just Google it, Palau Jellyfish Lake. It's there. Oh, yeah. it's a lake. It's, it's not like even a, ocean jellyfish. No, 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 no. They're like in a lake. That's still kind of scary. I mean, what if they? You have like a scoop, like a. I don't know if it's snorkeling or proper, proper scuba gear. Yeah. But anyway. Wow, I wonder if they're just peaceful jellyfish. They just kind of hang out. They just chill. I got yeah. stung before. My whole family got stung. Not before. in Palau. Though. Not on Palau. Yeah, by jellyfish <laughs> at the beach in Elan. So, so, so yeah, our jellyfish hurt. sting. Our jellyfish sting. So, um, it'd be a nice uh, break for those of us who want to swim in the jellyfish without being stung. Do we have any more comments True. coming in? Uh, yeah, we got a, we got a handful of them in there. We all oh, we just the uh, Bascope said may all protect from COVID nineteen. Rashid Nas says good show. Hi to everyone. Rudy Hartano Hartono says wow, very expensive. Very expensive. How much is that in that's U.S. dollars? Two point five or almost three thousand yeah, U.S. dollars. Twenty five hundred. I think that's just for one person. That's so if you've got a family. Much. Four days. That's too short. Yeah, too. Let me, let me check really quickly. I'm gonna pop, plug in the numbers. And, you know, um, the survey also surveyed people in different countries in Asia. And other countries uh, seem more eager to travel. 60% of Indians would like to travel. Um, they actually are already arranging travels. And 52% uh, of Thais, 51% of New Zealands have shown an interest in resuming travel. So we're mm. kind of cautious here in Taiwan. Well, we did so well. I mean, if I'm you're from a place where it's rampant already, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. John's got a good point. If, especially if you can get the, the jab. That's you know, true. What, what difference does it make? He's like, eh. Being safe here in Taiwan. Playing it safe. 
So they also said safety and cleanliness is the first priority that Taiwanese travelers are considering now. Mm, okay, so we better. Well, Palau seems cleanly enough. So it's beautiful. It looks beautiful. beautiful. I saw place. the footage, man. Yeah, I think there's one of the country where when you go in, you have to sign an agreement that says you will like t pledge to take care of the environment while you're there. Oh, something that's of a that, like, wonderful really? idea. Wow. Yeah, definitely. No littering. It's at least in my top two or three. I'm, I'm pro. I am pro. All right. Well, we better. We can take a. We can take a tour bus there. We can book a plane. <laughs> we'll all Dude, go. Try and book a boat, but that's <laughs> a heck of a boat ride. I heard. All right. Well, that's about it for us today here on Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Leslie Liao. And I'm Natalie So. Don't go anywhere just yet. Up next, it's hashtag Taiwan highlights in the spotlight. Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, we're going to be talking about an issue that was all over Taiwanese media last week. At the end of February, China announced that it was going to ban all imports of pineapples from Taiwan. Now, 97% of all pineapples exported in 2020 went to China. So this announcement from China sent uh, Taiwan's pineapple farmers into a panic, which is reasonable. Uh, Taiwan's politicians place great emphasis on taking care of its farmers. So as soon as this new development from China was announced, many of Taiwan's political leaders hopped on the social media and started reminding people of how delicious Taiwanese pineapples are and encouraged people to really take care of Taiwan's pineapple farmers. Taiwan, uh, pineapples take about 18 months to mature, and that's a long-term investment. Not only that, but China made their announcement right on the heels of pineapple harvesting season. So farmers were getting ready to pick the fruit, but the market that they were relying on to sell the fruit to was closed. So now it was on Taiwan to really help these pineapple farmers. And lots of people stepped in, as you're going to hear in this week's Hashtag Taiwan. Check it out. This episode's a good one. You might have already heard that earlier this week, China banned pineapple imports from Taiwan. This sent pineapple farmers into a panic because China is the number one importer of Taiwanese pineapples, taking in 97% of all pineapples Taiwan exported in 2020. China's announcement came right before the pineapple harvest season, so pineapple farmers were looking at a lot of product with no place to go. Local leaders took notice of the pineapple predicament and started pitching in. Politicians at every level took to social media to talk about how much they love pineapple and encouraged people to buy pineapples from local Taiwanese farmers. And when I say every level, I mean the president, the vice president, the premier, the legislative speaker, legislators, cabinet ministers, city councilors, mayors, Andrew Ryan, all made posts supporting pineapple farmers. Even the American and Japanese representative offices in Taiwan took to Facebook to say, don't forget how delicious Taiwanese pineapples are. The Canadian representative office said they love pineapple on pizza, which, all right, I'll do it for the farmers. Taiwan's message to China was clear. It was, fine, don't import our sweet, delicious pineapples. We'll keep them for ourselves. And you know what? It totally worked. 
People were buying up pineapples like they were going extinct. Popular Taiwanese internet personality Holger Chen reportedly spent half a million new Taiwan dollars on local pineapples. Taiwanese celebrity Shou Luo also supposedly bought 200 cases of pineapples as well. Heck, even we had little trouble finding pineapples for our show this week. This isn't the first time China's gotten heavy-handed with an import from another country. Last year, they imposed steep, steep tariffs on Australian wine amid souring relations. In response, Taiwan was like, well, if China don't want Australian wine, we'll take it. Back then, Taiwan's foreign ministry tweeted, We stand in solidarity with Australia by serving hashtag Freedom Wine at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs Taiwan. Now, I'm not saying that the hashtag Freedom Wine campaign was an absolute success, but the last time I drank red wine with my Uncle Dennis, he definitely pulled out a lot of bottles from Australia. Taiwan's foreign minister, Joseph Wu, must have thought, Well, that worked pretty well. Why don't we do it again? Thus, the hashtag Freedom Pineapple was born. Hashtag Freedom Pineapple caught on and people are now using it online to show support for Taiwan. Anyway, I'm going to end with this tweet Andrew Ryan sent out. It says, All of Taiwan right now. And then there's a gif of Joey Tribbiani from Friends looking lovingly at a pineapple. 1300 likes. That's pretty viral. Anyway, I'm going to go call my Uncle Dennis. Gotta tell him to ease up on the pineapple. Now, I don't know about you guys, but after that episode, I've got some hankering for some pineapple. I just hope there's enough left for me at the supermarket when I get home. Anyway, if you guys didn't already know, Hashtag Taiwan is part of a much larger news TV show called Taiwan Insider, which you can find on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio Taiwan International or facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider. Or, if you're more of a YouTube user, you can find us at RTI English. There you'll find uh, interesting news features and other segments from Taiwan Insider. Just all the content about Taiwan you can ask for. Anyway, you guys, that's about all the time we have this week. Until next week, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you again soon. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. So China banned the import of Taiwanese pineapples starting on March 1st. It said they were full of harmful bugs that threatened China's agriculture and environment. But Taiwan disputes these accusations. Last year, 99.79% of our pineapples met their standards. So obviously China is messing with Taiwan. Mm. Now how big of an impact would this ban have on Taiwan? Well, in 2020, Taiwan produced over 430,000 tons of pineapples, and 12% of those pineapples were exported. Almost all of those went to China. China imported 97%, while Japan imported 2%, and Hong Kong 1%. Now, we're way too reliant on China, but we can't blame the farmers mm. because, you know, they're right next door and they speak the same language and uh, we like the same things, actually, often. That's right. But it's not just pineapples. Have a look at this. 100% of Taiwan's betel nuts go to China. That's the exports we're talking about, of course. 98% of the exports of wax apples go there as well, and significant percentages of custard apples, grapefruit, and sweet oranges. So I guess we obviously like the same fruits, huh? They're good fruit. They are good fruit. 
And we obviously need to diversify our markets. Taiwan's government is working to bring our pineapples now to Australia, Malaysia, Singapore, and the United States. Now, the good news is that people here in Taiwan are snapping up the pineapples. They're trying to make up for the loss of that uh, Chinese market. They're very good. So the question is, what percentage of that have we made up for so far? A hundred percent. That's right. And in just four days. Can you believe it? That's amazing. It's amazing. So that's Taiwanese pineapple pride for you, right? That's right. Now, in just a moment in Hashtag Taiwan, we're going to tell you how the internet responded to the pineapple panic. But first, have a look at this guy who is peeling a pineapple. For around 10 years, Wu Geng Hao's food stall has been serving the town of Puzi in southern Taiwan. However fresh his produce might be, his customers mostly remember the stall because of the show they are treated to when they stop by. His technique is one part of his secret, but then there's the blade he wields, a custom knife made of black steel. He says this helps with the cutting process. Wu is a master with a knife. He can turn a whole pineapple into bite-sized pieces ready to serve in around just 12 seconds. He often does this several times in a row, earning him the local nickname, the Pineapple Man. This is Radio Taiwan International. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Today, my guest is all the way in Singapore. His name is Brian Ong, who is the head of APAC Engineering um, at Stripe. That's the name of the company. It's a payment processing unicorn. So if you understand technology firms, then you'll understand this term. <laughs> okay. At, at least that's what Brian told me. Well, okay, let's meet Brian. Hi, Brian. Hello, Shirley. Hello, everyone. Yes. So good to have you on my show and, um, and making this time, you know, even though you are working right now in Singapore. But anyway, you are Taiwanese. You are originally from Taiwan. You're actually from Taipei, right? Uh, yes. the capital city of Taiwan. You went to, I would say, the top university in Taiwan. That's the National Taiwan University, uh, majoring in electrical engineering. So yes. that was already some time ago. But so right after you graduating, you moved to the States to study master's and PhD? Yes. Yeah. Oh. That, was, uh, that was a long time ago. That was almost 20 years ago already. Ah, yeah. you're revealing your age. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, I should probably not do that. <laughs> no, no, okay. So, but you were in the States for like, uh, you said 14 years in total. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah, you yes. t spent five years studying your master's and PhD, and then um, mm -hmm. and then you were there working and everything for a total of 14 years. So, um, why, why electrical engineering in the beginning? What was it that okay. attracted you to... Uh, this uh, this field. Yeah, you know, that that that's a very good question, and <laughs> I think many people in Taiwan at my time there, uh, when I was uh, studying high school, we didn't actually think much about like what we wanted to do, and you know, all parents and uh, teachers are kind of encouraging uh, you you go to whatever you know school or department as long as you can get in from the college entrance exam. Right. So it, it really depends on how high you score in those exams. And then you uh, put down your, uh, you know, priority uh, in terms right. of like. That is right. Yeah. So, right. right. So that's yeah. basically what I was doing. Yeah. Thanks for explaining yeah. that, because that's how town's yeah. education is, is that you have to take this uh, college entrance exam. And depending on how well you do on the exam, that 
decides where or what field, what major you get into. And so yes. that's right. Was National Taiwan University your first choice or was it your parents' first choice? <laughs> that's a tricky question. I, I think that's like uh, every student because they know that's the most prestigious school. So mm -hmm. I guess it becomes everyone's top choice also. Um, and I, I did very well at school, you know, uh, mm. you know all the coursework, uh, exam scores are really high. Um, so I can basically choose anywhere I want to. So at the time, Taiwan, uh, National Taiwan University and especially in electrical engineering department is ranked number one there. Mm. So that is why I, basically the reason I chose, particularly because of I was interested in transistors or, yeah, no, <laughs> no, yeah. Okay. So then what was it like um, studying at National Taiwan University at NTU? What was it like? Was it disappointing? Was it what you expected? Uh, did you feel a lot of pressure? Did you feel lonely? Did you feel depressed? Yeah, were you under a lot of stress or were you just like flying off your chair while you're taking courses there? So, you know, it, National Taiwan University attracts all the best students from Taiwan, right? Every place is in Taiwan. Mm. So while you, you know, you, you are probably one of the best set of students in your high school classes. Right. And then when you went, when you go to the uh, National Taiwan University, you find other people like you, you know, mm -hmm. all in one class now. So uh, it become very competitive mm. uh, in order to like, if, if you want to stay, you know, rank high in terms of grades mm -hmm. in, in the class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then you cannot have like 50, you know, rank number one in the class, right? There must be like, uh, you know, rank 50, <laughs> the, the person uh, who, who ranked the least or yeah. score the least in those exams, right? Yeah. So you gotta accept that at some point of time. Okay? Yeah. So that was my, you know, first realization of that. Uh, because you basically a lot of, you you find those you know super talented people mm. um, in a class, and then they not only do well very well in the uh, academic field, but also they can like uh, do very well at sports or you know uh, your know, other activities, extracurricular activities. Yeah. So it's an eye-opening experience for me, definitely. Well, it sounds like you took it pretty well. Um, are you a sportive person yourself too? Did you? I mean, yeah, do you, yes, you you like sports too? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I, that helps. Yes. I mean, right, that helps. Yes, I think it helps to if you are sportive that you're always exercising. It helps with your studies. It helps with your brain. Your brain works better that way. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right. Did you make a lot of friends while you were there at NTU? Yeah. Yes. And are you still in so, touch with them? Some of them, because many of my friends actually took the same path of. Uh, you know, eventually uh, went to study abroad in right. US or Europe. And then some of them actually still in the field of technology industry, working in other big companies or smaller companies. Mm. So we got in touch and thanks to Facebook or, you know, Instagram, those social media. So we still uh, subscribe or follow each other. Oh. So I know what they are doing, see their day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Now, um, when you were in the States, uh, the first job, I think, that after you, yeah. oh, no, it was the, the first internship that you got after yeah. graduating was yeah. uh, was working for the AI team at Facebook. Yeah. You yeah. want to talk about that? 
Yeah. So it was uh, so my first job, like out of a uh, PhD program at that time, it was 2011. So it's quite early. So I, at that time, I was like really confused about what I wanted to do because before I went to US, I was thinking about becoming a professor. But oh. later on, when I was really studying the PhD, I realized that you know a lot of the research problems, only a very small set of people care about your research results、uh-huh. or ideas, right? So、yeah. you wrote those papers, academic papers.、Uh, if you are not very successful, then maybe. The things you produce only resonate with, say, hundred people in the world, right?、Oh. So it's just a kind of wondering, starting to wonder if if that's what I wanted to do for my life.、Mm. And I started to look out and to see like what other options I could have. So I went to Wall Street. You know, there are a lot. Of, there is a thing called quant.、Uh, basically, it's a quantitative trading type of、uh, job where you do mathematical modeling. Analysis on stock market or some derivatives like financial,、mm. uh, do trading and make money from it. Or、uh, there's at that time it, it was just at, right after the financial you know recession. You、uh-huh. know, U.S. has a you know, you know these subprime uh, uh, what is it the mortgage stuff right?、Uh. So everything collapsed and then there are a few companies re,、uh, started to arise. And then there's these things called social network, right? At that right. Time. And、um, when I was at, so I went to Caltech、uh, for my PhD. And then、mm. uh, at the end of that,、uh, every year or something like that, there's this career fair type of thing where companies, if they are hiring, they came to the campus、right. and try to recruit people who are going to graduate. Right. So I started to see that only a handful of companies are still hiring. One is those, you know. Uh, Wall Street firms—they are、uh, recruiting quants because Caltech is a very、uh, science and engineering-focused school, right?、Mm. The other type of companies are、uh, computer science type of、uh, companies,、mm. and Facebook was one of them. And at that time, Facebook was was a, a fairly popular startup pre-IPO company,、mm. but not yet IPO. So,、um, so it's famous, but people don't really understand. Didn't really understand what they were doing. But then I was approached, and then they told me that they're working on like machine learning type of problems,、uh, mm-hmm. how to you know help people make friends on Facebook, this social network. So I was really like interested in that idea. So in the end,、yeah. I I joined that team and、yeah, worked on that. Because、so, we're we're、mm-hmm. talking about twenty years ago, right? When Facebook was、uh, ten, not about ten years ago. Ten years ago. Ten, ten years ago. Okay. Yeah, well, ago. Facebook、yeah. was popular then. Yeah, but, it was popular, but not super popular. Not super popular. Oh、yeah. wow! Okay.、Yeah. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So you you joined Facebook、right. with the、uh, AI team. At that time, there was not really structuring AI AI team, but it was、oh. under the so-called user growth team. But they、okay. are AI related problems. Okay.、Uh, so the specific problem I was working on is called、uh, a feature called people you may know. If you use Facebook, you probably see these features、uh, many times. Oh Basically, yes. Basically, a suggestion unit that friend suggestion unit that asks you if you know this person、right. or not. Right. And then yeah, to make so become friends with them. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was,、uh, you know,、oh, uh, one of very small team. Actually,、oh. at that time, only two people working on it. So I was one of them. Oh. One of that small team. Oh. Okay. Were、um, when you were working at Facebook, were there a lot of、uh, uh, were there many other Taiwanese people working there? 
Uh, not too many. Uh, I think, but the whole company is probably less than 10 Taiwanese. And many of them were either background like me who uh, went to U.S. for, you know, graduate studies mm-hmm. or not. Or some of them are actually like immigrants. You know, they moved to, to yeah. U.S. at a very young age. I see. Uh, so not too, it's not, not yet a famous company to work at. Uh, uh, at that time, yeah. Oh, all right. What was living in the States like? I mean, you were there 14 years. That's pretty long. What right. are some of the things uh, you miss about the States? I think I, I spent the whole time in California. So Caltech was in Southern California, near the uh, LA, Los Angeles area. Yes. Right? And then uh, Facebook was in is in Silicon Valley, where near a, a city called Palo Alto. Yeah. So both of these areas are... You know, a, a little suburban area where you don't you don't have that city like feeling, unlike uh-huh. you know big cities in Asia like Taipei. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's it's just very different. Yeah, and then you need to try in order to go to places. Um, so it's very different. I I think the distance between the people are larger, uh-huh. and yeah, it's harder to make friends or harder to. Well, it, it, it's it's debatable. Well, but yeah, it's certainly very different, especially where like um, students, right, um, yeah. study abroad. So our you know friend circles are rather smaller uh-huh. because we hang out with people who are having a similar background who are also students, foreign uh-huh. students. Yeah. So, so who, yeah. who who were your friends? I mean, were there like was there a very international group of friends then, or did you mostly hang out with? Um, Chinese-speaking friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Really? So yeah, I mostly hang out with Chinese-speaking friends, but, uh, ah. but I have I play soccer, you know, football a lot. So uh-huh. I have another set of friends who is just like purely football. But after football, we'll go for a drink or something like that. But yeah, but mostly football-related, talking about football-related topics, watching uh-huh. games together. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's basically my social life. It sounds quite boring. It, it does. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because because it sounds like it's just only home, then work, work, then yeah. soccer, soccer, then home. <laughs> it's yes, like, exactly. that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> did your parents go to visit you while you were in the States? Your uh, parents? Yeah. Yes, yeah? They, they did. They did. Yeah, so they, a few times. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're happy with how, what you're doing with your life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I think there are very... You know, traditional type of as long as you do well at school they didn't have too much other expectation from you and then basically like let, leave me alone to do whatever i want but yeah uh, but right. I, I also uh, didn't do much outside of work yeah, outside of school work. then and now outside of work you don't do much either yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, yeah so, i was that kind of like homeboy type of you know uh image yeah you know, type of oh um people you know what do they call those i mean home. yeah um yeah. what do they call those i mean people guys who just stay home all the time you yeah, know, yeah. they don't go out much. Okay, you're one of those kind of people. <laughs> yeah, I see. I was um, one of those. I'm glad I got to talk to Brian Ong because he totally laid out how it is with the Taiwanese education system in his own words. I mean, I've always heard about how it is going to the top university in Taiwan, but it's true. All the top students from all the high schools go there, and then suddenly you find yourself in 50th place at NTU, National Taiwan University, and not in first place anymore. 
but from the sound of it, I can tell Brian was a very smart student in school. Well, Brian didn't stay in USA. Instead, he moved to Singapore, and we're going to find out why next week. For in the spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC. On 6185 kilohertz, in South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti@rti.org.tw. At 